This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? It's just so good to talk to another human being, Conrad. I'm great. I'm enduring. I hope all the folks out there are as well. We are living in a very unique times. As we all know, we've been beat to death with that information. So I shall not continue that train of thought. Main thing, folks, uh, don't lose your cool and be smart. Uh, the social distancing is a big thing and everybody thinks all oh, that can't be that simple. It is that simple. It's like a great wrestling match. Most of the great ones are very simply presented. And so now we have the simple presentation of this death virus. And they're saying, Hey, stay at home and you probably won't get it. So guess what I'm doing? My fat ass is staying at home. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm doing good though. Under the circumstances I'm doing, my family's healthy. Uh, my grandkids are healthy. Thank God. And, uh, you know, most of my buddies, I had one buddy that caught it, but he's, uh, he's okay now. So he's, he's my age. So it was a little dicey for him for a while, but everything else is good. Conrad. Well, I'm glad to hear it, man. And how uh, about you? How about you and Megan? Oh man, we're great. Everybody's fine. Nobody's sick. We're all healthy. We're, uh, going a little stir crazy. You know, I, uh, I was an early adopter to the self quarantine thing. So we've been home for five weeks now, but Ooh. you know, it's, uh, it's all right. We're, we're getting used to it. And, uh, it was a little bit of an adjustment for us to sort of get a new normal. And at first it wasn't too bad. And then I think like a lot of people, you get to a point where you're like, uh, I'm going to go crazy. And then you settle <laughs> in again and, and you're okay. Have you lost two straight to her yet? Oh yeah. Uh, she, I'm putting her over left and right. Oh boy. See, you're the booker, but you know when to do your favors. Yeah. It's it's... All the, and there's always a motive. So it's good for you, man. Well, Hey, look, uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback, uh, at, uh, on Twitter at J R S B B Q by the way. And Conrad is it? Uh, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad, uh, about people enjoying all the work that you, all your team is doing and that, and you and I are doing as well. Uh, cause I'm part of the team, uh, of providing audio. I, I, I got to believe right now for an advertiser that right now, the audio listenership for anybody's podcast has got to be accelerated. Yeah. I think it's up across the board. You know, people are looking for something to do to keep from being bored. And as a result, uh, we're working really hard to, to keep things normal. You know, so much of our life is not normal right now, but one thing's for sure. You can always count on grill and Jr. Jr. is broadcasting today comfortably from his home and I'm doing the same for mine. And we're going to keep doing this for you every single Thursday right here on Westwood one. I should mention you could have gotten this show early and ad free. Had you joined us over at adfreeshows.com. And we just last, I guess maybe two weeks ago. Now, uh, we had you tell the story of the plane ride from hell. And that's a bonus show that's available at, uh, adfreeshows.com. And I've got the whole schedule, Jim mapped out now through the end of the year. I'm pretty, what a booker you are. Well, thank you. Well, you're, you're, you're cowboy Watts. Like it's funny that you say that because our may bonus show is going to be an old mid South show with the midnight express versus the rock and roll express. How fun is that going to be as a watch along? Oh, great. Yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. Those, those cats, uh, could get it done. You know, I, the, uh, news that the revival 
has left uh, or and WWE parted ways because it wasn't any secret that it was going to happen. That the talents are have been home for quite some time, uh, but there's a lot of speculation where they're going to go. And obviously, the the, the uh, my speculation, and I don't have any inside information on it because I don't do work in that department. I hope they come to AEW. Sure. I mean, golly, man. And the reason you, I, rem, I, I talk of the revival is because they remind me so much of the, uh, midnight express, uh, incarnations, uh, even though, uh, Dennis Condry left Bobby and, uh, Stan Lane came in, you always, you still have Bobby Eaton. Who's probably the MVP of the whole damn thing. As far as in the ring at all times. And of course, Cornette was a staple there. So, uh, we don't have a Cornette, but we sure as heck would love to have the, uh, the revival. And I think that they're capable enough to talk on their own. And, uh, I, I just, with all the tag teams that are ma- the maturation process of the tag team division in AEW would, would lead me to think objectively, quite frankly, I could be biased, but objectively that this would be a damn good uh, landing spot for those cats. Yeah. I think everybody's paying close attention to what happens for them next. I know earlier this week, Arn Anderson referred to them as the hottest free agents in wrestling. And that's probably hard to argue. Uh, it, it's been pretty remarkable to see, you know, how much they have built up, uh, you know, interest and intrigue in a match against them and the young bucks. And I hope we get to see it one day and hopefully sooner rather than later. And, and I'll be glad when things get back to normal, but today things are back to normal for me and you We're talking about Vicky Guerrero. I guess we should go ahead and mention today is her birthday, Jim, April 16th, 1968. So happy birthday to Vicky. Do you want to sing her happy birthday, Jim? Happy birthday, baby. <laughs> I, can I do my Barry White? Please do. No, I'm not. I, I have to be in an altered state to be able to do Barry White. Vicky Guerrero was bar none, one of the very nicest people I've ever met on any walk of life. You thought I was going to say in wrestling, any walk of life. She is a class, class lady who has endured, has gone through hell, and has come out on the other side as whole and as happy as she could be. And this is going to be a great story to tell. Well, and what's remarkable about Vicky is it, it feels like she's sort of the accidental superstar. I don't think this was ever the, the plan that she would be, you know, a part of a wrestling angle or become a wrestling character and certainly not a heel, especially when, you know, and you just laid the groundwork there. She's one of the nicest people that you could ever meet inside or outside of wrestling. You don't have to give any sort of qualifier for that. And to see that she would become one of the most effective heels in wrestling. That's almost a little ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Her excuse me is unmistakable. Vicky. She, and, and she came through, she wasn't around that long. Right. And certainly as you mentioned, Conrad, when I heard that Vicky was coming to work, I was shocked, not shocked. Like, oh my God, what are we doing? Just what? Because I had no idea that after her, her uh, marriage with Eddie and Eddie's untimely passing and uh, being in the re- she was already in the wrestling business. She was a wrestler's wife for a long time. Uh, I just didn't think that she would want to re-enter that world, but you know, sometimes, uh, she's got goals too. I didn't know what her goals were. She, she enjoys performing and she's very good at it, but there's also a matter of the, the financial aspect of that as well. So, uh, she's got to make a living. She is, she's a single mom at that time and had to take care of two daughters. So. If you spread it all out, it's not a total shock, but I just never knew she had that inclination and the desire to be an on-camera performer. 
Well, let's talk about her story. April 16th, 1968. She's born in El Paso, Texas. When she's coming up through school, she's a cheerleader. She's also in the band. She goes on a blind date with a fellow named Eddie back in 1986. The very year that Vicky would graduate from high school. Eddie was wrestling in AAA at the time and uh, their respective best friends knew each other. So they all go to a club and before the date, Vicky told her friend that she doesn't like Eddie. Uh, so go dance with someone else and, and Vicky and Eddie hit it off. And what would you, what would you think here? Uh, happily ever after it's a pretty cool story to hear, you know, any sort of young love story like this, but it's, uh, especially special now that Eddie is one of these beloved figures in wrestling and knowing how this story is going to wind up for Vicky. It's just smiles all the way around. I guess what's interesting though, is I don't think Vicky grew up a wrestling fan. Her brothers were big wrestling fans and Vicky's grandfather knew the Guerrero family because he actually used to make gory Guerrero's boots for him. How small of a world is this man? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Huh? Very, very, it's, it is small. If it was fake Conrad. They were meant, Vicky and Eddie were meant to be together. As simple as that. It's fun because, uh, in my research, I found that Vicky and Eddie used to play in the, the playpen together when they're both one or two years old in her grandfather's shop. Of course, they had no idea that they would become each other's soulmate one day. Uh, they would marry in 1990. They have two daughters and, uh, Shaw got in the business and wrestled as Raquel Diaz and FCW winning the FCW Divas title. And she was the longest reigning Divas champion there with FCW. She later joined NXT and left the company in uh, 2014. And Vicky said she left because she hurt her neck and she decided to go to school and become a veterinarian. And then Guerrero made her return to wrestling as a commentator for the reality of wrestling event, ladies night out. And then in September, Guerrero signed a contract with wow, working as a ring announcer. Talk to me a little bit about Raquel Diaz, you know, their daughter. I don't know that. I kept much, uh, attention on her and this sort of flew below my radar and, and sort of blew me away that, that she was signed to NXT. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. You always have to wonder when, when, uh, kids of wrestlers get into the business, is it because it's what they truly want to do and that they're, they've been prepared to do, or is it what, uh, their, uh, mom and or their father want them to do? I have no idea where, uh, what side of the dial that. Raquel st stays on, but I was going down to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to Florida a lot when she was there. Uh, and she was having issues taking a flat back bump and, uh, not that it's really easy. It isn't easy. If you've seen some of my matches, I saw somebody sent me a, somebody really wanted to piss me off the other day and ruin my night. They sent me something. I you got to watch this. And it was something with me and Michael Cole is goddamn embarrassing. I mean, it really, really was. It was such amateur hour shit between he and I, but she always had this issue of, uh, in my, in my view, this is me to talk and I didn't share this or didn't nobody share this in the inner circle type deal, not Jericho's group, but the management team, uh, she, she, she really had issues executing some of the basic physical things, not out of lack of effort, uh, but. It just wasn't natural. She didn't have the great aptitude to be an in-ring performer because of her father being one of the greatest of all time. He cast in a massive shadow. And I think she always felt like she had to do things like some things like her dad did has some of that Guerrero, uh, mystique and, and stylings. I just never thought she was comfortable in the ring, but I will say this, uh, 
she's a beautiful, beautiful young woman. She, she got, we, I think she was just mis, miscast, so to speak. She should have been an interviewer or a color analyst or a ring announcer or a studio host, something along those lines, but getting in the ring and taking the bumps just wasn't her thing. And I'm glad, I'm really glad that she got that out of her head and moved on it. I think it, it's going to make her be healthier and happier in the long run. We should mention that, uh, Vicky makes her debut on TV during the whole Eddie and Ray storyline. And I'm sure we'll talk about this some other time, but Eddie had promised to reveal a secret concerning Mysterio's son, Dominic, you know, where this goes, we'll talk about the whole Dominic thing some other time in long form, I'm sure. But this is the first time we see her on TV. When did you first meet Vicky Guerrero? Probably, uh, I'm thinking maybe at a WrestleMania before she started working with the company, maybe, uh, with Eddie, it was with Eddie. I know that maybe she, she, maybe it was a TV in Texas or I'm just not sure, but it, it was at a TV Conrad. She was that were with Eddie, you know, she, she hit it off with jam big time. They get, they really got along well. Well, of course we know how the, uh, the payoff is going to happen with Dominic. Vicky was on the July 14th SmackDown with two of Eddie's three daughters to stop Eddie from revealing Mysterio's secret. Eddie promises not to reveal the secret. Should he lose to Mysterio at great American bash? Of course. He then reveals that Dominic is his biological son, which of course is, uh, you know, a, a storyline. And then when Vicky appears on TV for the first time during this Dominic angle, um, she says that Vince first approached her about doing it. And Vicky said she didn't take it too seriously at first, but each week their roles became more and more and Vicky and Eddie's daughters loved it. And they did a great job in their roles. And, uh, she would sort of give the example that, you know, Vince would say, I need you to cry when they tell you to, and they'd start crying right there in rehearsals. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, this is sort of a, a happy accident and it feels like a lot of the, the magic that has been created in WWE over the years sort of has a similar story where you couldn't really script it. I mean, they certainly tried, but some of the things that just clicked the best, it just feels like it was meant to be, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> it's just. She was, Vicky was a really good performer, uh, great facial expressions, great range her voice had a great range to it. Natural, all natural stuff. And, uh, she was so accommodating to work with. She was very easy to produce. Uh, I'm thinking I never heard a, a, a crossword about working with Vicky. She just was always a pro and sensitive and, and, uh, and she was a great team player. So. But I, I just, I guess get, kept getting shot because I think, well, she, that was a real good take. That was a good, that was a great promo. She won't be able to do that every time. And all of a sudden go you know, shame on me. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, him getting his wife involved here over the years, we've heard a lot of old wrestlers, um, like Rick rude, I think his advice to some guys and, uh, macho man and a few other guys have said, Hey, if you want to stay married, keep your wife away from the business. And I think there was, uh, maybe there's a macho man quote out there somewhere that says something like, yeah, I, I brought my wife to work once. Now I ain't got no wife. Uh, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about, you know, whether or not Eddie had concerns that, uh, involving his, his real life wife and real life family might not be in his best interest. I don't think he had any concerns at all. <clears throat> I think that he was just fine with it because it gave Vicky a purpose, gave her a direction. 
Look, being married to Eddie Guerrero, as long as she was, was no, was no vacation. Right. Was no day at the goddamn beach here. So giving her a little happiness because she contributed to the wrestling business through Eddie, uh, for a long, long time. So if she had the aptitude and he would know what the attitude and the inclination to want to be on television in this, within this genre, Eddie would know that before anybody. So, uh, I'm sure I would, I'm not sure. I would bet you money that probably when the idea was pitched, it was done about half-ass in jest. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh, the perception became reality that we could do this storyline theoretically. And of course, when you got writers that don't know jack shit about wrestling, but they can write a little soap opera storyline, they, uh, uh, you know, they got orgasmic about this because now they got more material to write about that the boss likes and all this, uh, you know, the adultery and the born out of wedlock and all this other crap, you know, that's, oh, that's good TV. That's good shit. That's good shit, pal. Good shit, pal. Because that's the entertainment side of sports entertainment. And God damn it, we can't get a push without fucking entertainment. <laughs> so as you may remember, uh, Vicky l- later reappears at SummerSlam to convince Eddie to put a stop to his feud with Ray and not go through with this custody of Dominic ladder match. That's a real thing. And when that it's, failed, how silly is that? Think yeah. about how stupid what we're talking about right now really is in booking Yeah, to, to a wrestling fan. God almighty. Whoever, I'm, in, whoever, listen, I'm embarrassed. Whoever climbs this ladder first gets the baby. Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah, um, right. of course, when she fails to do this, she costs him the match by pushing over the ladder as he's about to win. And after that, she holds down Eddie on the ground. So he can't get up and attack Mysterio, but it, it obviously gets the attention of everybody backstage because she did a good job. But the thing about it is, is that Vicky pulled it off like a pro main event level. First, first rattle out of the box. So now everybody sees, Hey, we got a new, a new character here. That's affordable, available and convenient. And again, the writers loved that because that's right down their wheelhouse of what they actually know something about. Maybe writing a soap opera. Of course, we know we would lose Eddie Guerrero, November 13th, 2005 in his hotel room in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He passes away of heart failure. And, uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about Eddie a lot more in the future. Let's try to keep it on the tracks and talk about Vicky. Uh, after Eddie passes, Vicky says she doesn't know what to do next. They had just bought their dream house in Phoenix, Arizona. They didn't own it free and clear. So now she's got this new debt to worry about. And they'd only been there like two months when he passes away. And Vicky says that his passing was a shock and she didn't really grasp it until a few months later. As a reminder, you know, Vicky has gone on record as saying Eddie had no idea he had any sort of heart issue. He had even ran four miles the day before he passed. And as we recently learned in the dark side of the ring documentary, Nancy Benoit stayed with Vicky and helped her take care of the kids. Did you have conversations with Vicky after Eddie passed? I mean, I know you're in a, a weird spot here with the company, but it feels like something you would have at least touched on. I think I <clears throat> give her, you know, I think we touched base. You know, it's one of those deals, Conrad, where you can wish condolences, let them know you recognize their sorrow. You want to give them that hug on the, on the phone line, so to speak. Uh, but man, what do you say? Right. Just what do you say? It's just, you know, I can only comfort her, but, uh, it was a short conversation because she had so much on her mind in the, in the, in the immediate weeks following Eddie's, uh, sudden death. So, uh, but everybody had, had empathy because we all knew Vicky from 
again, her uh, uh, coming to events with Eddie. <clears throat> she was a sweetheart. Everybody loved Vicky. And so, uh, we were all were shocked and hurt by that uh, development. Uh, I know, uh, I know Jan was very uh, upset because, uh, you know, I think she had talked to Vicky. And so it was just a, one of those sad, sad moments, man, that, uh, you know, I had too damn many of those sad moments, uh, the tragedy moments that no other person in my role had had to endure in their entire career to the deaths, you know, Deddy, Benoit, Pillman, you know, Owen, God almighty, enough's enough. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough deal for the company, I'm sure, but I can't I can't even imagine what it must be like for Vicky with you know now this newfound responsibility of taking care of this family by herself. Uh, Eddie goes into the Hall of Fame in 2006. Uh, Vicky says that this was a very emotional, scary, and sad time. She's having her daughters on stage, and uh, she says that's very comforting for her and. She says it's an opportunity to tell the fans that Eddie loved them just as much as, as, as we loved him. And it was a great night because she got to see everybody again. Do you remember seeing Vicky hall of fame weekend, 2006? Of course. Absolutely. Hugs, tears, hugs again. Of course I did. Like Conrad, it's just hard to explain. Maybe I'm not articulate enough. Vicky Guerrero had no enemies, right? Everybody loved her. Everybody felt her pain. And when we started at the hall of fame, she looked glamorous. She looked beautiful. She was all dressed up. She's got one of the most dynamic smiles of anybody. I know. I don't know how anybody can have that quite of teeth. God almighty. I, I, I want my teeth to look like dominoes, like Matt Hardy's or Bruce Dern and the Cowboys big teeth. And I can't, I can't smile. So I guess it'd make a shit, but she has that great magnetic smile. And, uh, yeah, I remember she looked great. The kids are good. It was a big deal with those girls too, man, because the ovation that Vicky got, that's, that was a family standing ovation. That was for the Guerreros. Right. And the little girls were included in that adulation. I, I, I thought that was one of the more special hall halls of fame that the WWE had produced. Without question, a really special weekend, not just that night, because the next day Mysterio is going to win the world title at WrestleMania 22, winning a triple threat match over Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. And in the weeks leading up to the match, they had used Eddie's name a lot to sort of further the feud, including Randy saying some pretty disparaging and maybe controversial things about Eddie Guerrero. And Vicky has said that them using Eddie's name in the storyline didn't bother her in short because she was able to separate the business from real life. Uh, what's your feeling on them using Eddie in that storyline sort of posthumously? 
Oh, well, you can't ignore it. So there's that. You can't ignore it. The question is, how much do you use it? And so that becomes a very subjective thing. Uh, I, I felt like it might've gone on a little long, but once Vicki got involved in her role and started getting established, you notice that the Eddie mentions were waned. They weren't as prominent because now Vicky's here. We're going to give Vicky this rub, Vicky, this spotlight, but I think maybe it might've gone on a little bit too long, but that's just my opinion. And I might be wrong on it, but it, you can't ignore it as the bottom line of that, of that answer. You just can't ignore it. The question again, how long do you use it? Well, I mean, I think the real issue was when they had Randy Orton say, Eddie Guerrero's in hell. I don't know if that's really the direction we should have went with that one. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you again. You got writers writing this shit, right? They got no goddamn feelings. It means shit to them. All there, all that, all this means that they get another face to face with Vince. Hmm. Really? Come on. Sensationalism knee jerk, but, uh, trying to recreate the attitude era about three or four or five years too late. But that's, that's what that was. And I don't blame Randy. Randy's right. just doing what he was instructed to do. Vicky says around May or June of 2006, Johnny Ace would contact her about making some appearances to get involved in the Chavo and Ray Mysterio feud. And Vicky agrees, but he's, she tells him, uh, it'd only be for one or two shows because of her kids. And Vicky said, after she made the initial appearance, they kept calling her back and Johnny joked with her. Maybe you should get a nanny because we want to keep you longer. By October, she had a, a real contract with WWE. Were you surprised to see how she really took to this almost like a fish to water? And she was just a natural. Yeah. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised because she was really, really good. And, uh, think about the women in wrestling today that have had uh, the, the performance center or wherever else Indies, other companies and how they articulate their verbal messages. It, it struggles. It, it's a struggle for some of them because in WWE, most of them are not allowed to go off script very far. So their big challenge is memorization. Vicky was a natural performer and she, everything she said, I believed, I believe in her passion. I believed in her anger. I believed in her, in her, you know, uh, every mood she had, I could feel that's how realistic she was. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised because she was a bona fide natural and, and communicating verbally and, and great facials too. I mean, she, she was just, she, she should have been an actress. She was really good, man. And we didn't know it. We, how would we know? Right. You know, how would we know? But Eddie knew that's why he got her there in the first place. Eddie knew what she could do. And, uh, and then Vicky, she took the ball and ran with it. So I was really, I'm still proud of her. Always will be. She first gets involved on TV during a feud with the Mysterio Chavo situation when Chavo accuses Mysterio of being nothing but a leech living off the blood of the Guerrero name on the August 4th Smackdown. And she later acted as a peacemaker between the two until she seemingly inadvertently interfered in their match at SummerSlam 06, which cost Mysterio the match. Vicky later openly sided with Chavo and hit Mysterio in the back with a chair on the following Smackdown turning heel in the process. Now we're really cooking with fire. And on the September 1st Smackdown, Vicky would declare herself Chavo's business manager and Mysterio an insignificant chapter in her past At no mercy. Chavo would lose to Mysterio in a false count anywhere match. And then on the October 20th Smackdown, Ray lost an I quit match against Chavo with interference from Vicky. So it's sort of 
the swerve nobody sees coming, which maybe some, some cynical wrestling fans say, oh no, I saw it coming because it, it is the last thing you would expect that they would turn a widow heel. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was good. Creative. Yeah. Cause it, it's good. Creative. If it, if the person in, in, in question, Vicky, uh, could pull it off and man, she pulled it off. So it was a, it was good. Creative. It was an in, interesting, different storyline. Uh, and, and, and again, she just, she made it a home run. She, the, the, she should be getting a gift from the writers at that time every year now for the success she had in that storyline. Vicky said that getting into the business at the time helped her heal mentally from Andy's passing because the WWE became like her second family and she got to bring her girls with her sometimes. And she says when she was in the ring, she would almost imagine Eddie laying on the ropes diagonally. And she always felt near him when she was in the ring, because it was such a big part of his life. Talk to me about the early days of, of Vicky and the company as a regular talent and how she fit in. I mean, it was one thing when you're sort of an outsider and you're someone's wife, it's another thing when you're actually part of the crew. Uh, and if you, if you know, tell us what you think Vince was thinking through this whole process of involving Vicky. He found another star. He, Vince back then we all did stumbled into another star performer because here you got Vicky Guerrero's a, a household name. We're, we're celebrating her birthday today, as we said earlier. Uh, but she did all that without any hurricane runners or any flip flops and flies or any juice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she did. She, she's, she's a, she's got great name identity and, and people are aware of her and she's never wrestled. Uh, now she may have had a gimmick match. I'm not, I think she probably did. But bottom line is she didn't make her name and become famous, uh, through her physical efforts. It was through her, uh, her, her, her acting and her presentation, her verbal skills. So I was, but every day for Vicky at TV was like another learning day, like going to school. And she's a, you know, she, she, since, uh, she left uh, wrestling, she's got a college degree and she's a very smart woman. She's remarried. We talk about that later, but, uh, bottom line is man, she just, every day was like a new day at school. And she ate it up. She, she consumed all the, the, the information. She became a student of the game. And one of the reasons that Vicky had such great success is that she has so much logic. She has common sense. She knew her role. Did Vicky want to be a villain? Hell, I don't know if she wanted to or not, but she understood that it was fiction. Right. I'm cast in this role in this fictional presentation on television, and they want me to be a, a villain. And so I'm going to be a villain. And she was a damn good villain. Without question. She was a great villain. I'm glad that you said it was almost like her going to school every day because she's admitted that it was tough for her at first, especially doing promos. And she said one of the first times she did one, as soon as she came back through the curtain, dusty Rhodes is standing at gorilla and he puts his arm around her and said, sweetheart, you suck out there. And he told her it's going to take some time, but he comforts her and lets her know that she's going to get better and she's going to be great. And Vicky said that Dusty was always working with her, always helping her and coaching her. And she said the best advice Dusty ever gave her about promos is to speak how she wants to speak, not how the writers say, don't be afraid. Amen, man. His advice was don't be afraid to change things up. If you're not feeling it because you won't believe it. The fans won't buy it. Did, Did you ever hear of another talent in particular, really struggling with the scripted dialogue and, and wanting to just roll the dice otherwise? I would say Conrad, we don't have time to make that list up. There you go. We don't have time because again, I, I used to, when I do my little things, they, they, I was 
when I would do things, I would be given scripts occasionally. And I'm say, you, you guys got to be shitting me. I would never say this. So when I say it, if I say it as written, it's going to come off as disingenuous and unauthentic. Uh, and so uh, Dusty gave her great advice, but that's the same advice you can still give <clears throat> talents today. That's why I think that in time, the AEW promos are going to become even better than they are now because we don't have any writers trying to influence the talents on what they should be thinking. The talent should be thinking what they're thinking right. in their, in their character. It's no mystery. It's not hard. It's not science. So, uh, anyway, yeah, she, she was, she, she was a bright, but she, here's the thing. She goes out there and she knows she's not great in the beginning, but we all can see that she could be great. It all, the, the only thing you're concerned about how is she going to uh, handle the pressure of not being great right now and still being put on television because she's a part of a storyline that's getting major play. So I, I, uh, and she, and she, Conrad, she battled through it. She didn't quit. She didn't, she didn't, uh, say, Oh, I can't do it. I'm just going to go home be a house, be a, you know, a single mom. She had a career now that she could start with her children. It's school age children, two daughters, two beautiful daughters. This is a job. It was a well-paying job for her skill level, her experience, her background. Her background was she was the widow of Eddie Guerrero. That doesn't necessarily mean to be a star. And, but she became a star through her will and her desire. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it, you know, how far she came to, she said that everyone liked her in her first three months or so were great, but she felt like there was maybe a little bit of jealousy and resentment when she wound up staying longer and that she feels like she has to prove herself and she feels like she's proved a lot of people wrong. And I think that's probably what a lot of our listeners would expect that, you know, in, in a time in an era when the women are really fighting for TV time and, and some of the ladies matches are going one or two or three minutes at the most. And now she's out here in a featured spot. There's probably a little bit of jealousy to go around there. What do you think? Probably that's, that's a wrestling business. Uh, it's all about me. It's not about the team. I used to tell talents, you know, we, we got to keep this goose healthy because we all like those golden eggs and the goose lays golden eggs that we all covet, but everybody has a different agenda that some people I, I honestly believe would, 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 would have no issues if the business was down as long as they were a champion or they were in a, in a major program because it's all about them. And all I can say about those women that were getting those two or three minute matches why don't you get better at what you do? Why don't you get, why don't you improve your skill set? Why don't you become a, a real athlete and not a diva? How about that? So, uh, you know, you can't be so concerned about your fake boobs and your hair extensions that you're worried about, you know, well, I've got to worry about this, you know, how I look, you know, so it's, I uh, don't give me start on that little dissertation. Cause I can give you a chapter and verse and that shit, but people are jealous of Vicky Guerrero don't need to be around. That's just, and I would tell them that. If you can understand what we're going, what we're doing here with this woman and what she's gone through and you're jealous because she's getting your time. How do you know it's your time? And why do you deserve her time? That's decided by Vince. And, and we all march to that same order, man. He wants Vicky on the TV. We're getting Vicky on the television, whether we like the creative little twists and turns and eddies in hell, all that stuff or not. But the women that are jealous and it's gotta be the women. If it was a guy, he should be fired. God almighty. <laughs> well, seriously. Think about it. Right. Well, I got fired because I was jealous of Vicky and I spoke up, but I spoke up for myself. God damn it. 
Yeah, I'm a man's man. I spoke up for myself because I'm not taking that shit. I don't need it. Yeah, what you should do is update that, that very powerful resume you have that's just dotted with successes and qualifications and go shop your ass someplace else. Oh, you can't get a real job, can you? This, you're a one-dimensional person. So why don't you just shut the fuck up and do your job? How about that? <laughs> Try that. Let's try that and see how that works. If that doesn't work, then we'll revisit this tough, this topic. Lauren, sure. I love when we got red ass Jr. on here. Well, think about that. Conrad, Godly, I wasn't a bad guy. There's the talents, but shit, I, I, you know, getting on the wrong side of, uh, on this matter with Vicky is you're indefensible, right? If you can't see the error of your ways, then why are we keeping you here? Why are we hiring dumb people? Because you're a dumbass for having this jealousy of this woman who's trying to make a living and provide for her kids. Get out of here. You've mentioned that a couple of times. I am curious. Do you think from Vince's perspective, maybe he, you know, got her a deal and a contract and, and gave her a role and all that because he felt for her situation, you know, obviously Eddie had tremendous contributions to the company and I'm not diminishing that. And perhaps out of respect for him. Perhaps just because he did know that she's in a tough spot and that this would be a really nice thing for her and her family. Do you think this was that, that Vince's compassion for her situation played a role in her getting this opportunity? I'm sure it played a role. I'm sure it had a part in it, the decision-making, uh, but she would have got a one off or two off if she had not been, didn't have a surprisingly unlimited potential. Right. And she did. So bottom line is I'm sure it crossed Vince's mind. I'm sure he thought it was the right thing to do to give her an opportunity to make a payday or two. You know, like I said, she, you, you mentioned a while ago, they had a big house in Phoenix. Yep. W- wasn't paid for. They had a mortgage. You got bills. We all know how that goes. And, and here she, she, the, the breadwinner is gone. Right. She doesn't have a job. She's trying to raise two children. And so she made a change in her life. Like many of us are making now. Uh, you know, being, being quarantined, hunkering down, but she, she, she decided to, that this is what she was going to do because it made her happy. It made her kids happy. And, and, and Conrad, we forget about the s- simple shit here, man. She earned a living. She could pay her mortgage. She could buy her groceries. She could take care of her children. She could send them to school. She was the sole contributor to the family, uh, income. And that's can't be overlooked. What an opportunity at her, at her stage of life with her training and background to be given this opportunity, provided the opportunity, and then her running with the ball deserves, she deserved all the credit, but I will say it was, it was a very honorable events, not to forget, uh, Eddie, uh, and not that he would, but he really went above and beyond, I think, quite honestly, uh, by giving her a spot, uh, an opportunity to have a spot. And then she took care of it. She, she made it work. Yeah. Opportunity is the key word. I mean, that's always been what we've heard Vince McMahon would preach, you know, opportunity, opportunity, and certainly, you know, the relationship with Eddie may have played a role in her getting the opportunity, but making the most of it and keeping a spot. Well, that was up to her and, and she shined. Let's talk about the behind the scenes for a minute. Uh, Vicky's gone on record as saying she respected Stephanie as her boss, but she had no relationship whatsoever with triple H. She's uh, indicated she felt it was personal and she always felt close to or closer to, to Vince than Hunter. Were you aware of any sort of issues? Maybe that the triple H and Vicky had over the years, not a one had no idea. Vicky said that Vince always was a, a big help to her 
he'd always come to her and put his arm around her, try to comfort her and talk to her. And she knew that, um, this is probably something that some of the other folks backstage would look at negatively, but she always wanted to do a good job for him and, and, and do her very best for him. And that she almost started to look at Vince as a bit of a father figure. And that's something we hear a lot from WWE talent over the years. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, he's the Godfather kind of like you're the pod father. He's the, he's the head hot show there, man. Uh, he's a, he's the head of the, all the, he's the head of all five families, Vince McMahon. So if you're going to gravitate to anybody or hope that somebody gravitates to you for administration, you damn sure want to be him, but you could pull that off because it's his, it's his word that his saying his word is direction is what counts in the story. And I, that's the first thing I noticed when I came to WWE in 93, uh, and we talked about that recently in one of our shows. People go back and catch the rest on the WrestleMania nine, uh, that, you know, Vince is, uh, ubiquitous in that company. He ha- or has been, I don't know where he is now. I'm not there. He's older than he's ever been. <laughs> like we all are. So as you Conrad, you're Conrad, you know, this you're older today. God damn it. than you've ever been in your life. That's true. I'm older than ever. So, uh, but, but, uh, I, the first thing I noticed when I got there, that it didn't take long to get direct answers from the head, the head man, when you had a booking committee and you had, uh, all the, the cooks in the kitchen and the lots of cheese, every other cliche you can think of, it was, that was a, that was just a afterthought. You know, you're not going to get a straight answer more often than not. There's going to be, it's going to be indecisive. Uh, people change their mind in five minutes, uh, whatever, whatever. So, uh, but he ran that son of a bitch and and he, and, and he still does, I think, I don't know why not, who, who else is doing it? So, uh, but, but, but she, she got lucky there. Vince did like her. He did have empathy for her and her family. Vince loved the little girls too. And so he, he did a nice job contrary to what the, the mold, uh, and the image of Mr. McMahon may be Vince McMahon, uh, did everything he could to ease her pain. And those, and those two little girls pain. So he should be given credit for that without question. Let's talk about one of the next things she's going to do here on TV on October 27th of 2006, Chris Benoit would become involved in the storyline. He tries to figure out what Vicky is doing with Eddie's estate while also defending the United States championship and a rivalry with Chavo and at survivor series, Chavo would kick out of an attempted sharpshooter causing Benoit to knock Vicky off the ring apron. And, uh, that causes her to start to wear a neck brace and she blames Benoit for intentionally hitting her by the end of December. She interferes in a U.S. title match between Benoit and Guerrero and, um, Chavo. Yeah. There's a Z of Guerrero's. I don't know what you're, I know what you're doing, but somebody might not know Chavo Guerrero causes Chavo to lose. Benoit retains as a result. Chavo shouts at her. If you want me to win the title, then stop getting me disqualified and pushes Vicky over. And Vicky's said that she loved taking bumps and is very excited when they let her take a few. And she says that it was actually Vince who approached her about starting to do it. And she felt like it made her more a part of the team. That's probably a standard expectation, right? That when you start yeah. actually flying around a little bit, you feel like you're really contributing now. Yeah. She took simple bumps from her feet to the canvas, but that was good enough. Right. That was good, good enough. And I'm sure in her mind's eye, it made her feel like. She got her, she got her uniform dirty, Conrad. You know, she got in the game. Not only did she get in the game, but she got her uniform dirty. I think that probably meant a lot to her for her pride. 
And you know, whether the jealous other, the other, the other jealous people uh, thought that was good or bad, nobody should give a shit. It, it made Vicky feel good and, and it helped her continue to want to learn and get better. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. In May of 07, Crystal, the on-screen girlfriend of Teddy Long, who is the SmackDown general manager, convinces him to give her an opportunity to be the assistant. Of course, we're talking about Vicky as an assistant. And uh, it's kind of a, a fun deal because a week after the interview, Vicky gets the job, but turns face. And she had done such a great job as a heel. I thought it was a little weird that she was a, a, fa- a baby face character. And Vicky would say that, she loved working with Teddy, but she didn't like being a babyface as much. I think almost everybody who's ever been in the business has more fun as a heel, do they not? Yeah, yeah. Every, I learned that in 1974. I asked a guy, "You like being a villain?" He said, "Kids, the best role in the business. It's the most fun." I think the word was fun. You ask anybody, they have more fun being a heel than they do a babyface. So, uh, and that's just that may be an arguable point with, with some of the guys. I don't know, but. That's kind of the consensus, uh, opinion. Uh, it was another example of hurrying up a storyline and there was still low hanging fruit that could have been harvested that was ignored. So I think it was a like you, I, my sense of it, just thinking back on it was it was a little quick because you start losing your foothold when you change here and you change there, like changing titles every few weeks, right? Then the titles don't start meaning shit. Uh, at all. So, uh, I, I just, and look at all those great promotions and th- think about titles and, and this topic we're on. Look at how long Bruno's run was. Look at how long Backlund's run was. Look at how many times Slurs been champion and for, and, and other guys for long runs that, you know, Thez and all those cats, uh, funks, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, Jack Briscoe, they had a year run or two year run. That's like a two year program or a one year program. So everybody's thinking right now, well, that wouldn't work today. Jr. Because we're in a different society. We think different than you do. See, we're this goddamn thing called a millennial. And we're pretty goddamn smart. Look at the things we've accomplished in our lives here that help put this country where it is. Yep, that's you, all right. So changing back and forth, you start losing confidence uh, in the, in, in the storyline and in the talent. <clears throat> because it, when you do that, you start booking 50-50. And that's another negative. So having short title reigns and changing here, there, and yon has a lot of negativity. And I thought the same thing about, uh, Vicky's thing. I thought she was getting, Hey, look, she was getting great organic heat. I mean, she was nuclear. And when you can find that, it's not going to be everywhere. It's not going to be every time, but when you can find that in a talent, 
man, I leave it with them as long as I can until I see that people are, are stopping, starting to not give a shit. And, uh, she was long, she was long away from that. Well, we, we know what we're setting up here when she becomes the assistant GM, uh, on June 29th, she becomes the interim GM because Teddy long is planning his wedding and she soon named the maid of honor at their wedding. And on the September 21st episode, Teddy suffers a kayfabe heart attack during his wedding to crystal. And the following week, Vince names Vicky, the new general manager. On the November 23rd SmackDown, she punishes Edge for his interference in the championship match at Survivor Series by making him the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship before revealing that she had begun a romantic relationship with him and facilitated his plan to regain the belt. Of course, in the process, Vicky turns heel once again. Really a fun little moment that will always stand out in sort of SmackDown history to me. What did you think of her heel turn here and uh, now she's romantically linked with edge. Well, more soap opera writing, but, uh, it got both of them, uh, a lot of exposure. I think people by and large kind of enjoyed the, uh, the direction of that storyline. It again, that's that road had not been traveled. Edge had not been traveling all edges had several storylines with women. He and Matt Hardy had the record, I think <laughs> behind the camera and in front of the camera, but, uh, those son of the guns. Uh, so, uh, she was, uh, she, it was a new wrinkle and it was a believable wrinkle in theory. Here she is. The, the widow's trying to get back on her feet trying to regroup. She's got a life to live. She has a right to have, to have feelings and want to be with a man or a significant other, whatever it may be. So that the storyline had plausibility and all, and it had been used to death. So, uh, you know, uh, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I, I thought it was kind of cool. And edge was so, he seemed to be so interested in it because he pulled it off really, really well as also. So some of those kisses they had were uh, days of our lives kisses. That's pretty funny. Uh, later <laughs> that night, as she stands alone in the ring, after watching edge be attacked by Batista, the undertaker appears and hits a tombstone on her. And Vicky says it was a great honor to take the tombstone. And of course, undertaker was great and took care of her. And, uh, she's told ahead of time, Hey, wear pants, which is kind of fun that you don't know exactly what you're signing up for, but when they tell you wear pants, you have a good idea. Yeah. Well, at least she got, she got a heads up. Uh, that was nice, but yeah, she look, if you talk about getting, being jealous, how many of those women in the locker room would like to be in Vicky that night and got tombstone by the undertaker. Of course. That's a, that's a nice little rub. Nice little rub, baby. And she got it. So, but she earned it and she took it like a champion. Look, I've had Undertaker knock me out once or twice. Uh, the, the Mr. McMahon ass kissing thing was he was in the ring, him and angle. I started with all three of their asses. So I didn't want to expose the business. Sure. Son of a bitch. I was, I was home. My home field advantage. Uh, seriously folks. Um, she, she, uh, she did it. And I don't know that Conrad, how, how I would, how excited I would be when they said, Jared and I take going to give you the tombstone. Oh, sh- I better wear darks. Cause I'll probably shit myself on the way down. <laughs> I'm not interested. I would have done it for taker for anything for taker, but you know, taking a tombstone untrained, never took one before. Cause I don't recall any practice about this tombstone, but taker had had her in his arms, but basically, and it was awesome. 
It was awesome. After being off air for several weeks, she comes back on December 14th in a wheelchair, making biased matches, of course, in favor of edge, which leads him to win the world heavyweight championship at Armageddon and the whole excuse me line that became Vicky's catchphrase sort of actually happened by accident. It's during the time when she's doing the angle where she's in a wheelchair, she's got a big promo she had to do, but she forgets her lines. She says the fans were already yelling at her. And maybe some of them knew that she had forgotten her lines. And when they started to get more and more rowdy, she said, excuse me. And they reacted to it and it helped her refocus. And she got through the promo, but the writers noticed the reaction from the fans and suggested that she say it again the next night. And it just went from there. Once again, something else in this Vicky Guerrero story just happens organically without ever being written by a writer and just becomes the, the thing that has the biggest hit of all. Yeah. She was real. And people knew when she said that with all the, uh, veracity and the passion in her voice that she meant it. She meant it. She, she, if she could say, shut the fuck up, she probably would have shouted that to the rafters, but that excuse me was so well received, so easily executed and so natural. Again, we, we said that a lot of times about Vicky in this, in this thus far. She was a natural performer with great instincts and who the hell knew in early 08, she forms La Familia with her nephew, Chavo edge, the team of Kurt Hawkins and Zach Ryder and later Bam Neely. And one of her first acts as a part of this new group was to help Chavo win the ECW title from CM Punk at the Royal rumble. Vicky would interfere in the world heavyweight championship match between edge and Mysterio, which allowed edge to retain. And on the following SmackDown. It's a special day. Edge would propose to Vicky, who of course accepts, but the event is interrupted by Mysterio. And after Vicky had helped Edge retain his championship for almost four months, he eventually drops the title to The Undertaker. And this starts a feud between the two, with Vicky giving Edge numerous title opportunities and always putting The Undertaker in difficult, sort of no win situations. I got to tell you, Bruce has told me before that. Nobody thought that this Vicky edge on-screen couple thing was going to work, but Lord, they made it work. And apparently they both loved working with each other. Yeah. I, I'm with Brucey on that deal. I, I didn't have a lot of great hope for it, but the thing, here's the deal. Both talents were willing to give it their best effort. Both talents had an opportunity, uh, to contribute to their creative little things, little nuances. And Edge, especially, he was tenured. He'd been there. He's got a great head for the game. And, the, and he always seemed to work well with most of the writers. And they, him. So he had their ear a little bit. So I, I, I didn't have this, the basic angle of a, the widowed woman trying to get her life back together. It didn't make common sense. But it was a sensitive area still for those of us that knew and loved Eddie. It still kind of lingered around, even though you're talking fact and fiction. Uh, but because the two talents had a little bit of a play in the, in the nuanced creative that was ongoing. And the fact that they both were willing to give it their best effort, it worked. And sometimes that's how it works there. It just, or anywhere. If the talents are committed, they can make a okay storyline much better if they're committed to doing so. On the May 2nd SmackDown, she would strip undertaker of his championship after deciding that his new submission move called the hell's gate was too dangerous. And she made a match between edge and undertaker for the now vacant title with the stipulation being that if undertaker loses, he's banished from the company. Of course, following interference, 
Edge wins the match and Vicky banishes the Undertaker. Uh, shortly thereafter, Edge loses the title to CM Punk, and on the July 4th SmackDown, Edge is taking out his frustrations of losing the title on Vicky and telling her that the wedding is off. Uh, but the next week, of course, Edge would repropose to Vicky after SmackDown goes off the air. And on the 18th, at the wedding reception, and we're told <laughs> that the wedding had occurred off screen before the show, Triple H comes out and shows a video of Edge cheating on Vicky the day before with Alicia Fox who was playing the wedding planner and the storyline continued through the great American bash when Fox would attempt to hand edge the WWE title to use as a weapon, but is stopped by a clothesline from Vicky edge attempts to spear the referee to delay the match, but hits Vicky instead. And triple H uses this distraction to recover hits a pedigree and regains his title. And on the 20 July 25th edition of SmackDown edge would attempt to get Vicky to forgive him, but instead announces the reinstatement of the undertaker who now is going to face edge at SummerSlam and a hell in a cell match. And she's back to being a baby face for the first time in a long time. So it's a long twisty road here with this on again, off again, romance and wedding and a wedding planner relationship and infidelity and undertaker <laughs> hell in a cell. Here we come. Yep. We finally got back to wrestling. Uh, it was an interesting journey. No doubt. You're right about that. I just thought edge pulled off his role amazingly well, as did Vicky. Uh, the, the little subtle things, you know, the getting busted on tape with Alicia Fox, who I always thought was so underutilized. And, uh, you know, I, I, I follow her on Facebook. I'm a, I'm so, I, this is what I've turned into Conrad in isolation. I'm on goddamn Facebook more than I should. I, I, I catch myself <laughs> thinking, who are you? I don't know who you are. Facebook. What the hell's wrong with you? So, well, well I have Facebook friends. I talked to myself. I even got to where I would. I'm talking about, I watched the NBC news on, on, uh, on Monday through Friday with Lester Holt. So now I find myself like my granny talking back to the television, talking to Lester. Do you ever Holy ask, shit. Do you ever ask Lester if he's looking for his goddamn push? <laughs> yeah. You're going to push Lester. This, this fucking virus is going to get you over the top, baby. A lot of eyeballs look good. Lester, what do you say? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where we were, but. Nonetheless, uh, Edge did a great job in pulling this thing off. Alicia, I was talking about Alicia. She's under, I thought she was underutilized. She's a very good athlete, man, and strong, uh, a beautiful woman. I don't understand, but part point being is that there are other issues at play that we won't go into, but nonetheless, uh, I always thought she was a, a player, potentially a player, no doubt. A few weeks later, as revenge, Edge would attack members of La Familia, and she, he actually tips Vicky out of the wheelchair. The Undertaker is refusing to accept her apology for banishing him, but Vicky says that she's not afraid of him, and she also says that Unforgiven, I'm going to force you to apologize to me. But of course, at Unforgiven, Undertaker doesn't comply. So she has Big Show knock him out, and Vicky spits in his face, turning herself heel again. And now Big Show has aligned himself with Vicky. It's sort of weird where once upon a time, it felt like maybe we need the talent to help get Vicky over, but yeah, now she's helping the say. talent get over. Yeah. Yeah. She gave hey, that's a, that's where, you know, you made it when uh, a, a newcomer and she was still considered a newcomer is giving rubs to other main level talents. And that's what she was doing because she was such a compelling character and maybe her swimming upstream, swimming downstream, sitting over here for a while, going there for a while, heel baby face so, or whatever. Uh, maybe that people just got into that thing because 
I, I looked at it this way. Here's how I tried to, when I did a commentary with her stuff, look, she's gone through a lot. And if you haven't been in her shoes, how do we know how we would react? Right. So basically trying to say without saying it, she may be a little bit disturbed because of all of, of the heartache she's endured. Maybe things just, she's just not well. I didn't say that, but I wanted people to think, well, you know, maybe she's got a lot on her plate, you know, kids and traveling and TV and the wardrobe and all these things. And you get tombstoned, all this shit, you know, who knows, man, she just may crack. So it, it worked out. We, uh, we see after undertaker attacks Chavo, Vicky's pleading with the undertaker for forgiveness for her actions. Undertaker once again, hits her with that tombstone, forcing Vicky to rely on both a neck brace and a wheelchair again, which is just great stuff. Classic old school stuff. And over the following weeks, Vicky would put the undertaker through a series of matches against the big show. They all seem impossible for him to win. And of course the blow off is a casket match that of course, big show loses. At Survivor Series during a match for the WWE title between Triple H and Kozlov. How about that for a name from the past? That's a dandy. Uh, Vicky comes out to the arena, making the announcement that he's here. Edge's music is played and he comes out making it a triple threat match. And at the end, he wins the championship. And as he goes to the back, he greets Vicky with a hug. And on the December 5th SmackDown, they kiss, thus reinstating their on-screen relationship it's pretty remarkable that this thing still has life in it and we're squeezing it out, baby. Yeah. And because the talents are committed and they executed Conrad, it's, we can, we can evaluate, we can turn this thing like a Rubik's cube. That's as simple as that's as simple and honest an answer as I can give you. On the December 8th raw, Vicky and edge win a slammy award for couple of the year and fast forward to the end of February. And she's appointed to the interim general manager position on raw during Stephanie McMahon's absence. On the following raw Guerrero would announce that edge would be facing big show for the world heavyweight championship at WrestleMania 25 and on March 9th, John Cena shows footage of Vicky cheating on edge with big show after <laughs> Guerrero had added Cena to the world title through the process of blackmail of revealing the secret, of course, making it a triple threat in the process, man, you said earlier, soap opera, everybody wants them some, uh, Latino Latina heat. From, yeah, I guess from her, so. <laughs> Oh, well, Hey, uh, Hey, speaking of big show, have you watched this new sitcom? I haven't, but I've heard a lot of my friends say that it's on Netflix and that, uh, they think it's, it's probably a prime candidate for something like Disney channel. Like it's good, wholesome family entertainment and pretty good. It is. It is. I'm proud of big show. I don't know if you listened to our podcast or not, but, uh, I, I want him to know that I'm really proud of what he's done. That, that show can be watched by every member of the family, uh, grandma included and the dog. And you look, you, all you guys are quarantined. You should be, if you're not stay at home for God's sakes, don't be an idiot. But if you have Netflix, check it out. I watched it the other night. Uh, I didn't know it was on Netflix. To be frank about it. I was getting ready to go watch, uh, some more episodes of Ozark. And, uh, I saw it on there, you know, big show's face is pretty noticeable. It's yes, pretty it is. prominent. There's a lot of face, uh, kind of like me and you, you know, all four cheeks and a couple of chins, uh, the. It's very good. It's, it's, it's reminiscent of, a of a, uh, of a, of a, when I was a kid, which is, uh, that actually happened. I was a kid at one time, but things, the classic stuff, leave it to beaver and all those, you know, all those wholesome sitcoms, uh, it, it fits right there, man. Got a good cast. He has, he has three kids in it and a wife. He has, he has two kids by the wife and he has a step as a uh, other daughter comes to live with him. It's really a good little story. And it's, a uh, 
I think people look on this. Check it. If you're looking for things to watch, check it out. So there we are. So big show. I got that in and, and I wanted to say that about him. Uh, he's lost a lot. It looks good too. He lost a bunch of weight. Looks good. Good shape. So, uh, anyway, it's a good show. If you get a chance to check it out, Conrad, you, you get some laughs out of it. It's 30 minutes, 30 minutes long, man. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I will do. Next up, we see Vicky and big show start this uh, brief romance where they, they kiss in the back and she slaps his ass, which was unplanned. And Vicky says that Vince approached her after and said, that's good shit. Guerrero. Yeah, that's good shit. Guerrero. Vicky. <laughs> and what an ass you slapped. Um, it's two ax handles wide. Yeah. I think, uh, there's a line about, um, well, we'll keep it moving on the April 6th raw Guerrero <laughs> was given the choice of either being general manager of raw or SmackDown. And she then announced that she's going to move to raw in order to become its permanent new general manager, uh, subsequently resulting in her being separated from edge in the process. And after being insulted for a few weeks because of her weight by Santino Morella, Vicky, with a little help from William Regal won the miss WrestleMania crown from Santina, uh, Santino's twin sister and a no yeah. DQ match sanctioned by Chavo on the May 18th raw. How do you think the cowboy would have booked this one? Not like that. There would have been no, uh, Santina. Uh, there would never have been a Santina if the cowboy was booking. And then somebody's going to say, well, that's why he was old school. And he was about time. Look how he ended his career. Okay. Take it easy. Einstein, Mr. Booking Einstein. Uh, probably wouldn't use that, uh, particular approach, but, uh, Hey, do you know, do you remember that I gave Santino his nickname, the Merlon miracle? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. He won the title, the intercontinental title in Milan. We built him from Milan and we were doing TV, we did raw in Milan. And the next week we did TV in London and many of us stayed over. I said a couple three days in Milan, best pasta I ever had in my life. They had a Dulce and Gabbana store there. Guess who got to buy some Dulce and Gabbana sent back to Oklahoma? JR. Thank you. My wife loved it. And, uh, but he won the title there. And then I remember after that, we went to the hotel bar. Imagine that. And, uh, all of us and John Cena was at the top of his game, man. He was hammering, uh, everybody's goal was to get Santino really drunk. That was not, that goal was accomplished. I might say, uh, but the Milan miracle was, was born. In Milan, Italy, when the old Santino won the title, but he's so he's another guy that's a natural. He's funnier than hell. I can't imagine somebody he's on somebody's TV show, whether it be wrestling or something else. Natural comedic timing, much like a Bobby Heenan. Let's keep it rolling here. There's the Extreme <laughs> Rules pay per view. Vicky's going to lose her coveted Miss WrestleMania title to Santina in a hog pen match with Chavo by her side. The following night on raw, Vicky announces her resignation as general manager of raw. And after her announcement, edge comes out and tells Vicky that he was sorry for saying disrespectful things about her only to reveal that he only married her so she could help him win the championship matches. And now that she quit, she was useless to him and his endeavors to become the champion again. And then then tells Vicky, he wants a divorce leading her to suffer from a nervous breakdown. Now, in, of course. In, in reality, this is just done to write <clears throat> her off of TV because she had decided to leave the company or at least take a break. Her kids are in high school now and she's missing a lot of their growing up. And when she leaves, she really had no intention of coming back. But of course, after about three months, Johnny Ace calls again and say, they really miss you here and they really want you to come back. So she does for the SmackDown 10th anniversary episode on October 2nd. It's got a new look. 
for the show and a new look for her. She's cut her hair and she introduces her storyline boyfriend, then heel Eric Escobar, who she would be managing on the SmackDown brand. Uh, talk to us about this idea that we're going to position her with this. Uh, I guess the proper phrase is cougar gimmick. Yeah, she, he was cougar bait. Well, here's the thing about that. I, I remember a lot of things that Vicky did, but I'm not sure I could pick Eric Escobar out of a lineup right now. That's how insignificant that storyline was to me. It didn't resonate with me. We tr- keep traveling the same roads in a different car and it's just, it's the same journey, same trip. We've seen all, we've seen everything. Look kids, Wally world. Look kid, big Ben. It's the same shit. So I, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about that, but I was happy that she changed her look. She, she wanted to improve on what she was doing. And, and she, and, and I also think Vicky missed, uh, the time she was off. I think she missed being with her other family. Uh, you know, she had her lovely girls at home. There are two of them, but on the, on the road, she had scores of family members that, you know, she could hang around and she could see it makeup or catering or at the ring or wherever it may be. It was a family thing and people shared rides and they, I know Vicky always had people that were giving her rides and she had, she was never alone. She's all I, I, as I could recall. And if I had uh, John, Lauren, I was in, in that role, but you just want to make sure that she always had a ride with somebody that she wanted to ride with, not you had signed her a, a, a driver that she might not want to be around. So just made sure she was safe and, and we, and the, the, all the girls, the same thing, all the women, you want to make sure they all paired up and they felt safe on their traveling when they're doing so many, so much, so much driving. That's not always not the case now, but in any event, she was, a. I, I that didn't resonate with Connor. I, I'd seen that I'd seen that and it, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't grab me like the, the other stuff that she had been doing. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but. Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. On the November 20th, SmackDown, Vicky's named SmackDown consultant by Vince McMahon. And she begins to involve herself in a rivalry between women's champion, Mickey James and Michelle McCool and Layla taking the sides of team lay cool after Mickey accidentally doused her with cottage cheese on the February 12th, SmackDown, man. Some of the stuff that they had Vicky do the hog pen match getting doused with cottage cheese. It's some pretty silly over the top shit here. Yeah. And it was always booked in my view, just so we could hear that, uh, that look of consternation, appalling frustration, anger, and her screaming, you know, her screaming and the, and the, the, not just excuse me, but just when she would go off, it was always, that was the payoff. Vicky's reaction to a certain situation because she was so good at it and it was real and it was believable. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Hey, look, there's a lot of us can talk about creative, and you read, read under the black hat and I'll give you plenty of chapter and verse on my creative experiences in WWE, which is again, like a cow on ice and JR getting in a ring is sad, but nonetheless, uh, the cougar gimmick, I, I didn't have a problem with the cougar gimmick, but I just thought it was just 
I don't know. I felt like I'd seen it before. We should mention something you wouldn't see very much of is Escobar. He's not in the company very long. He's released shortly after the storyline starts with him and Vicky. Um, you said you didn't even really remember him. And I don't think a lot of folks did. Let's keep it going here. The February 26th SmackDown Vicky's a special guest referee for a title match between uh, Mickey James and Michelle McCool, ultimately costing James the title after slapping her two weeks later, she gets involved in a match between McCool and Tiffany causing Tiffany to win by DQ. And after the match, McCool and Layla begin to beat down Tiffany until Beth Phoenix makes the save. And in the process delivers a clothesline to Vicky. Two weeks after that, Guerrero appears in a five on one handicap match with Alicia Fox, Maurice, uh, a team lay cool against Beth Phoenix. Guerrero mainly hides behind Alicia Fox, Maurice and team lay cool, letting her partners do the dirty work until Phoenix is weakened. And then Guerrero makes the pin winning the match. That's pretty good creative there. I mean, that's old school chicken shit heel stuff. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. Tried and true. Uh, some will say it's formulaic. It's too old school, but the bottom line is it worked. That worked uh, really, really well uh, without a doubt. It's funny. <clears throat> Once it's like the dog getting in the, in the, in the chicken house. If a dog gets a taste of chicken there, they don't like to hunt because they like to eat chicken and they know where the chicken is stashed. It's in the chicken house. So, uh, once the, the genie is out of the bottle and any other shitty cliche I can think of once, uh, they, the Vince and company saw that Vicky would take a bump. And didn't mind taking a bump and they'd always got a good reaction. Look at how many times we've talked about Vicky taking bumps now, right? Tombstones, clotheslines. It's just, there was a one bunch, one bump sequence. I get that, but you wouldn't want to ask her to do anything more. She's not going to feed a comeback. You're going to knock her down. She's going to sell. And the way you knock her down is a, is a variety of ways. Ed speared her for God's sakes, undertaker tombstone her for goodness sakes. So I think it's just. At that point, I thought we, we were seeing too much, too much of her bumping around too much for bumping around when Bill Watts got Jim Cornette over in mid South as the hottest manager in the history of that company, he did it because he didn't allow anybody to abuse Cornette until Watts got his hands on him. So the time that Cornette and Watts shot their angle with the midnight express and the face and the cake and the junkyard dog and stagger Lee and all that good stuff, Cornette was pretty pristine. Now he had taken some bumps, no doubt about it, but he had been gut and quartered. Like he was going to get gut and quartered with a cowboy when they did their blow off. Let's keep it going here. I feel like we should mention that WrestleMania 26 Guerrero's team wins a 10 woman tag match. When she climbs the turnbuckle and gestures to the sky before hitting a frog splash. It's a tribute to Eddie. That's a pretty cool little WrestleMania moment for her. Is it not? Damn right. Can you imagine the courage it takes to try to pull that off? Cause it's, you don't have a stunt person. You don't have retakes. You're not on a closed set. This is real shit, man. And it's at WrestleMania for goodness sakes. So, uh, yeah, man, I, all the admiration in the world. I'd almost forgotten about that. I remember it now though. Yeah. That was, the, that was something that was, that's extraordinary. When you stop and think about it, it is. where she is, I, I've, Hey, I've been on the, I've been, in, uh, I've been, uh, in, I did an interview with midnight of the rock and roll express one time, I think from the scaffold and I was scared to death. You couldn't have driven a nail in my ass with a sledgehammer. I was tight and uh, man, oh man, I can't, I can't imagine her apprehensions and fears and insecurities standing on that down top turnbuckle, not, not as a non-athlete, as a non-trained wrestler and doing that, the 
Well, that's a fine line from between, uh, catastrophe, blown out knees, whatever the case may be and uh, ecstasy real fine line. Let's talk about what happens in May. Guerrero becomes the uh, permanent general manager of raw for the second time, but she was, yeah, let me interrupt right here. Now, how many times have we had this storyline? Yeah. She became a permanent. Well, she, oh, she, I thought she did that two months ago. Yeah. Oh, well, that was SmackDown. Oh, then to that before that was raw. Okay. You see what I'm saying? We keep revisiting the same shit. And every time you revisit in this particular characterization, it decreases the value of the talent. It's just, it's wait a minute. Are you a good guy or bad guy? You, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? Are you this or you that? I got to know. You know, so it's crazy. I, I just thought we went, we, I didn't mean to interrupt that on that, but that's, I thought that's the whole deal. You can tell the creative has almost ran out of things for her to do. That's why I looking at it. Well, is it that, or is it Vince McMahon changes his mind every day? Well, he could, if he wants to, but he says he's influenced by the writers. If they have great stories going forward and stories that he was comfortable in, then all that shit would not have had to happen. But when you don't have an idea, well, we can make a general manager raw. Let's do that. Okay. You just got an answer. You got, you got what you got. You got him to leave you alone. Him being events, leave you alone, Mr. Ryder, but it don't make any sense, man. It just, it's the same th- We re- keep revisiting and that's a bad, bad thing to, it's a bad trait. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's a bad trend, uh, to have in, in, in wrestling creative, in my view. Let's keep it rolling here and talk about, uh, you know, as we said, she's going to be the permanent GM. She resigns later that night because she's intimidated by Randy Orton. Four days later, she returns to SmackDown as a consultant. Uh, in June, she begins a romance with Dolph Ziggler and starts coming with him to the ring. She pops up for a time or two in NXT, uh, but nothing of any real significance there. Vicky is assigned a new rookie on the show, Caitlin, uh, whom she begins feuding with. And on October 5th, she's defeated by Caitlin in a rookie versus pro match. And Caitlin is caught backstage kissing Ziggler. Caitlin goes on to win NXT and later joins SmackDown. Have we heard any of this before Conrad? That she got caught kissing Ziggler? Yeah. Like Alicia got caught kissing edge. Yeah. Like Vicky got caught kissing big show. Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure I was clear. Uh, on the February or sorry, January, 2011, she becomes the general manager of SmackDown. What? Teddy long was found unconscious backstage. And at the Royal rumble, Kelly, Kelly attacked Vicky during Ziggler's match with edge. Fast forward to February Ziggler and lay cool lose to edge and Kelly in a two on three handicap mixed tag match for the world title. No, okay. Oh, stop right down. there. Stop fucking right there. Thank you. What are we doing? <laughs> Seriously, if there's anything you try to maintain some pristine nature, some credibility, some clout, it would be your, your primary championships, especially in WWE, the single championships. Uh, so now we've got a world title match with, uh, three women in it. They're yeah. not even fighting for the, or what if, uh, if Kelly, Kelly would have won, would she have been the champion? That type I, thing. I guess so. Well, it's just so silly, but that's where you get, when you got a, you're, you're, you're really striving for the entertainment faction facet of, of that brand and writers don't know how to book a wrestling match. They don't know how to book a finish. 
they're not great at, at recognizing pairings because have you gone to talents and said, Hey, you think you guys got chemistry to have a main event, a main, a, a main level program. If they're going to give you an immediate answer, you might have the right answer, but they're going to look at each other and are their shoes. Then you got your answer already. Move on. See you guys later. Enjoy catering. Uh, but that's how the, how can you position a title in a three on two handy, a three on two mixed tag match? So I, I, I it's, it, I shake my head. I don't, we're, we're following an interesting booking trend here. I know we're talking about Vicky on her birthday and I'm glad we are. I love her to death, but we're also being able to pick up on some interesting trends of repetitiveness. And I've always said here, Conrad, and you, I think you will, you will agree. You don't have to wrestling fans like surprises. They like new, they like freshness. And even if you got something established, it's like, I'll give you an example. You had Ric Flair as the greatest NWA champion ever. And what made Rick special? A variety of opponents. It kept his title fresh. It meant something. Uh, the, the talents that he was, that was opposing him were stars. So it, it built the championship. So the, the next guy that got it, it would mean something. So I, I just, I don't, I'm amazed. I'm, a, I'm amazed at the trail we're following here. It's just really intriguing to me. Well, she thought it was silly too, because afterwards she fires Kelly and announces a title match between edge and Ziggler with her serving as the special guest referee. But of course the following week while officiating the match, she attempts to spear edge, but injures her ankle as part of the storyline. And while she's down clay Matthews of the green Bay Packers replaces her as referee and edge wins. Vicky attempted a sphere. Yeah, but she that, heard her. That, ankle. That, that would have tore a man in half if she hadn't twisted that ankle. Damn it! What a what a it's so stupid. Remember we talked about putting talents in positions to do things that they do well. Yep. Okay. You think Vicky Guerrero's best strength and her best asset was delivering spears? Yeah. When I think of spears, I think of Roman Reigns, Bill Goldberg, and Vicky in that order. I think. I think you do. You, you probably do because you're Alabamian. <laughs> the next week is SmackDown 600th episode. She's going to strip edge of the title and fire him later that night. There's a coronation of Ziggler as world champion, but the returning Teddy long reveals that he's once again in charge and that Vicky and Ziggler were behind the attack and makes an impromptu match between Ziggler and a newly reinstated edge for the world championship. Of course, edge wins. And after the match, Teddy long fires Ziggler. And on the February 25th, SmackDown, Teddy long announces the match is going to take place with edge and Kelly Kelly facing Vicky and drew McIntyre, Vicky loses the match. And then she's fired as a consultant fast forward. And, uh, she comes to raw on March 7th, both, uh, Vicky and Ziggler make their return to the brand with Vicky managing him in a singles match against John Morrison. After the match, the anonymous raw general manager informs Vicky that Ziggler has been hired but she has not been hired and the general manager continues by issuing a match between her and Trish Stratus the following week with the stipulation being that if Vicky wins, she Ugh. would be hired. Chat me up about the anonymous Ugh. raw GM angle. what do you think of this? Silly. It was silly. It was not believable. Just silly, but that was the order of business. More often than not silly took priority over wrestling. In some of those, some of those, uh, times in my view, the next week, Vicky gets a win over Trish Stratus in a no DQ match with the help of team. Lay cool. 
Afterwards, Guerrero challenges Stratus Morrison and that week's raw guest star Snooki, who had slapped Guerrero earlier in the night to a six person tag match against Lakul and Ziggler at WrestleMania 27, which they accept. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, Snooki involvement at WrestleMania? It's a real highlight for you. I'm sure. The uh, fact of having Snooki at WrestleMania got exactly what the company wanted was a lot of external PR because sure. she was kind of a cult. He, uh, heroin, you know, she was, a uh, on a, a high profile television, a show that had been on for a while, had a good audience. She was far the, one of the more popular cast members, uh, of, uh, of that show. What the hell the name of this? What was the name of that show? Oh, come on. You know, this Jersey shore, Jersey shore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't, it, you didn't DVR every episode. I really thought you were more of a situation guy. No, I'm, I missed that. I mean, I, I, I go back now in this quarantine and find it, I guess I really, really no, want to watch do that. Don't do that. Okay. I won't. Uh, I, the, the, all these Gronkowski was, was hired to do to get advanced publicity for WrestleMania and, and, and Snooki was hired to get advanced publicity for, for WrestleMania or this match or WrestleMania we're talking about. That's when she made her debut. So, uh. I don't, you know, I, you just let it go. You just move on because I used to get concerned about it, upset about it, not upset, but like eye rolling. I'm sure Bruce said the same thing it, 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 at some points in time. you just know that's not, it's not a great storyline. It's not what you would do, but you just got to grin and bear it, grit your teeth and move on. That's what he wants. He many events. So, so it didn't, didn't bother me, but you can imagine the match quality. Kidding you? Yes. So the fans tune in to say great action, don't they? Yes. So, you know, I, I think I rest my case, your honor. Snooki was, Snooki was fine. I'll say this about Snooki. She's very short. Vicky's team loses. Of course, there's supposed to be a spot here where Vicky would, uh, be slapped by Snooki and then she's supposed to return fire. But of course, uh, Snooki wants no part of that and backs out. And I don't guess Vicky was super thrilled with that the night after raw. Uh, we get, uh, Vicky and Ziggler defeated by Stratus and Morrison. And after showing evidence to the WWE board of directors of AJ Lee fraternizing with the WWE wrestler, it's later revealed to be John Cena, by the way, AJ was asked to resign. And on the October 22nd, raw, Mr. McMahon announces Guerrero as the new raw managing supervisor. What? She's back managing a brand. Can you believe it? No. What a novel idea. It's new. It's fresh. It's timely. On December 10th, Raw Guerrero would defeat AJ with help from Brad Maddox, who's, of course, the special guest referee. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he popped up an impact for like a cup of coffee, didn't he? I don't know. At the, what? well, since we mentioned him here, uh, post quarantine, we'll, we'll see him some more. Uh, at the TLC pay per view, Guerrero tries to help Dolph Ziggler in his ladder match against John Cena until she's attacked by AJ, who betrayed Cena and helped Ziggler win. And the following night, Guerrero teams with Cena to defeat Ziggler and AJ by DQ, a little interference from Big E. Uh, fast forward, and the GM, Vicky, would announce that uh, Brad Maddox is her assistant, where Maddox comes up with the name of Team Bricky, which is uh, kind of weird. Uh, that's, a, that's a millennial writer's name. Yeah. Figure it out. That's, it's silly. so silly. I mean, it's, but, hey, we're going through the edges. You know, uh, the, the, there was an old soap opera called the edge of night. Johnny Carson had a segment on his show. He's a, he was a late night TV host kids, Johnny Carson, your grandma might know him, uh, C A R S O N Google it. 
Uh, and he uh, and uh, Johnny had a little segment called The Edge of Witness. And that's what I re- this whole shit reminds me of The Edge of Witness. There's more betrayals, uh, backstage kisses caught on camera, walking out, marriages, divorces. And it all happens in a, in a, in a non-second, going back to that 80s with Mork and Mindy. Nothing. There's, you, could, you don't have time to process it, to get a feel for it. Do I like it? Do I not like it? What do I want to see? Is there, in, is there, in, in, we take out all the anticipatory aspects of booking a great storyline. It costs things change and change and change. And so it just, it, you come, you've come numb to it. I guess is a, the best way I could explain it. We start winding things down on her run here in mid 2013, Vicky enters a new storyline where the McMahons, both Vince, Stephanie and triple H pressure her to increase the level of her authority. On the July 8th raw, after undergoing a job evaluation, the fans did not vote in Vicky's favor, which results in her getting fired by Stephanie McMahon. Vince tries to console her afterwards and appoints her assistant, Brad Maddox, as the new GM. On the July 19th SmackDown, Vince would hire Vicky as the new general manager of SmackDown. What the hell are they thinking now? What a great idea. God almighty. Ladies and gentlemen, get in here. This is a hell of a thing. Mama, granny. Put the kids to bed. This is good shit. (laughs) Vicky tells the fans that she hated each and every one of them, blaming her for losing the managing supervisor role on raw. And in addition to this, when Maddox congratulates her, she slaps him on the November 18th raw. Stephanie McMahon forces Guerrero to compete in a match against the Divas champion, AJ Lee, which of course she loses. And on the March 24th raw, after hearing insulting comments from AJ towards her, uh, Guerrero forces AJ to defend her Divas Championship in a 14-woman Vicky Guerrero Invitational at WrestleMania 30, which is pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> on the June 16th Raw, Roman Reigns would try to convince Vicky to put him in the Battle Royal for the World Heavyweight Championship opportunity at Money in the Bank. When Vicky refuses, because the authority wouldn't allow him in it, of course, Reigns then spikes the coffee that she gave to Stephanie McMahon, causing Stephanie to throw up on Vicky. There you go. Come on. More bodily functions. Who wants to take a shit on Vicky? Come on. <laughs> raise your hand. Who wants to take a shit on Vicky? Here we go. Vicky gives rain a chance in the battle Royal, which he wins on the June 23rd raw. Vicky loses a pudding match against exactly. man. We go from mud to pudding Conrad. They're, they're taking more. They're more sensitive. Now you can see the kinder, gentler side of WWE booking. They're more sensitive there because it was, uh, it was mud, right? I, I did an interview and got uh, hog shit all over me one time with Triple H and Henry Godwin. Uh, so they, they, they're famous for these pin matches with different substances in it. I would have rather been interviewing one of those two guys in a chocolate pudding thing because I like chocolate pudding, by the way. So, uh, but are you kidding me? Her job's it's, on the line here. She loses, so she's going to lose her job, but it's due to interference from Alicia Fox, Layla, and Rosa Mendez. Of course, when she loses and is fired, she gets to still throw Stephanie into the mud pool and mouths. I love you a tribute to Eddie and does his uh, signature dance while she's leaving the arena. And, and Vicky said she didn't know Stephanie was going to do that. And Vicky said she was honored by it and thanked her afterwards. Uh, during the three years of her tenure here in the company, she started attending school online and eventually she gets tired of all the traveling and they start not using her as often. Uh, so she's doing her homework in the dressing room when she has to go. And then eventually she decides it's just time to move on on the July 4th, 2016 raw. She would return as a, as a heel 
announcing her intentions to come back as the SmackDown GM after the brand extension, but she's escorted out of the arena by two security guards at the rumble in 2018. She makes a surprise entrance at number 16 during the women's Royal rumble match. She's eliminated by Becky Lynch, Michelle McCool, Ruby riot, and Sasha banks in under a minute. And afterwards she attacks Carmella who comes in at number 17 by hitting her with the money in the bank briefcase on the 1000th episode of SmackDown. She made a special appearance and then famously. She made sure that she would never show up on WWE TV for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, in December of 2019, she is a guest color commentator for AW dark. I think that was episode 11. It premiered on December 17th on YouTube. And according to Vicky, this appearance caused WWE to quote, cut her off. Uh, but she had fun. I'm sure. I mean, she tweets about AEW, and a lot of her friends work there. I mean, yourself included, yeah. it was pretty cool to see Vicky with AEW, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like WWE like that. Not to not one bit. How Mickey mouse is that shit? You're going to take her off for being on a YouTube show. Did she say anything disparaging regarding your brand? Not a damn word. No, you gotta be shitting me. We're going to take her. That's just so, I mean, I, it's incredulous to me that, that we're even talking about that because you would think that can't be true. Conrad, they can't be true. Vicky would not have said that she's been quote unquote cut off Whatever that means, uh, uh, you know, what, what it meant is probably that she's just not going to get any more bookings. Right. And so she, she probably had been under contract in quite some time, but it's just, it's childish. It's really, really childish. So, uh, I don't know. I'm embarrassed even to think about how that was after all she had gone through with that company and she had delivered the goods for three years. She was as, uh, as a significant, a, a character on television, a television character as any new talent that WWE had had in a long, long time. And they can't say they developed her because they didn't, she was a natural. Now they helped her get better, but, but they didn't, she didn't come through a system. Right. And, uh, but I, uh, cutting her off, that was like, that's Vicky's term, not mine. Cause I don't know what the story is. But I could get it. I, I couldn't understand it. They're just not going to book her anymore. As long as she had a, a walk on a cameo on AEW dark, a YouTube program that airs on Tuesday nights. And that's going to piss you off enough to take, to turn your back on this woman for any future bookings. What if you got a great spot for, her? you know, are you going to use her or are you going to say, nope, cause she was on that damn YouTube show one time. I think it was December 19th or something. It might've been episode 11. Hell, I don't know. Come on. Ugh. Well, let's go to Twitter. We asked you guys, if you had a question for Jr. about Vicky Grail's run in WWE, and you can ask a question for next week's show or any show, just uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at Jr. grilling, uh, mayhem writes, where did the excuse me originate? It was perfect for her. We've already covered that, but here's the real question. Do you think she was an overachiever? Probably. Yeah. I think you got to say, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. Some of this creative, I think you would describe as chicken shit. And she was certainly making chicken salad with it. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. She was an overachiever. Uh, not unlike many talents we've talked about on the show, you know, that came in and, and pleasantly surprised everybody like Mick Foley, for example, among others, Stone Cold was a little overachiever because nobody, he had no expectation. He was going to be a star. The, the Vince didn't when we, when we signed him, Kurt has he had never, I don't know if he ever seen him work. Kurt has an interesting question here, and I think you'll appreciate it. He says, does JR feel WWE treated Vicky almost like a female version of himself 
meaning they knew no matter how many embarrassing situations they put her in, she was a company person like Jr. was and would do whatever was asked. Maybe. Yeah. There's some similarities there. We both are old, old, old school folks. Keep our word, keep our commitments. And I probably did too much grumbling. She didn't do nearly as much grumbling as I did, but yeah, she was, she was totally a team player. And that's what we all should aspire to be in our life. A team player. Uh, Ray LaDuke, uh, would write compared to the classic kayfabe couples, where would Jr. rank edge and Vicky? They were very good. They were really good. I think of all the, uh, male, what's that word? Uh, paramours, paramours, or that word is all the, all the couples, all the males that, uh, Vicky was uh, involved in on the storyline. They had the best chemistry. I mean, she, I didn't, I, she had better chemistry with him than she did a show or Ziegler. I thought the Ziegler was very good too. Edge just seemed to be at the right place at the right time on that. He, he, and he enjoyed the role. So yeah, I think edge is probably gets, a, gets the, the nod on, uh, on her favorite leading men uh, on television. I think the question, a lot of people want to know, and, and maybe this will become more clear with Tom WrestleManiac writes. Do you think Vicky Guerrero will ever receive a hall of fame induction herself? Or do you think she'll go in with the rest of the Guerrero family? Hmm. Compelling question. Interesting question. Well, you know, knowing how you've heard me talk about her and yourself, we had votes. I'd vote her in individually, uh, as a, you know, a, a, as a successful female and they're playing it forward and you can't, how many times can you, can you induct Moolah in May? So, uh, yeah, I think she should be in the hall of fame. Uh, but I sense that she will not. And it, and, and because she's no longer on the team. And, no, and I know there's been others have been in, in inducted that weren't on the team, but, uh, I'm just disturbed by the fact that she's incommunicado with WWE, especially after being seen on a fucking YouTube show. Yeah. That's just hard to believe. It is. So based on that, I'd say the chances are a little bit sketchy. Well, what's not sketchy is that we're going to be back next week, April 23rd, right here on Westwood one. You can hear that show ad free and early. Of course, the show we're talking about Mr. John Cena, one of the biggest shows we've ever done. Stay tuned. It's coming your way next week, right here on Thursday, exclusively on grilling Jr. Of course, adfreeshows.com has it early and ad free. We'll round out the month of April with backlash 2000 and man, we've got a big may planned. Uh, first of all, I should mention, we're going to do another part of hashtag ask Jr. anything. We've already got one part posted at adfreeshows.com, at least another round coming up, but in may, we're going to talk about wrestle war 89, which is the finish of the phenomenal steamboat flare trilogy from Nashville with the famous pile driver through the table. Unbelievable stuff. On yeah, may Terry Funk made the challenge, shot the angle. You had a, you had a, what a, that was good booking right there. It was a good book. You, you notice that new Japan does that a lot. They'll, they'll start a story. They'll end the match and then they'll start another story before the winner gets out of the ring yep. with a challenge or something. And of course, funk was there to do. He was one of the judges. God damn you flare, you egg sucking dog. He wanted that title back, Manny. I am not middle-aged and crazy Ross. You fat bastard. Uh, I love Terry. I gotta go down to see him. Let's, if I, if I wasn't in, 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 in incubation here, I get my damn Escalate and head to West Texas and go see Terry. How far of a drive would that be for you? Huh? How far of a drive would that be for you? Oh, just about five hours. It's not too bad. No, it'd be like, uh, from, uh, 
Tulsa to Wichita Falls in a Thursday night to go make 25 bucks. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I don't, I don't know that you've looked at the full schedule yet, but I, I shared it with you earlier this week. And on May 14th, we're going to pay tribute to your great pal, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Great. We'll do judgment day 2000. The week after we'll do a watch along from a phenomenal raw as war to round out the month of May. As we mentioned earlier, the bonus episode will be a fabulous episode of mid South championship wrestling from 1984. It's the midnights versus the rock and rolls in the month of Ma- June. We've Ma- got, go ahead. Magic. It's tag team magic. If you are a tag team wrestler, if you want to be a tag team wrestler, if you like tag team wrestling, go back and find that match mid South rock and roll versus midnight. It is textbook timing strategy, crowd psychology. It is absolutely sublime. And we're going to watch it on adfreeshows.com. You can watch it with Jr. in the month of May and the bonus episodes through the rest of the year. We, we have a lot of old school stuff in there. We've got some smoky mountain from 94. Uh, we've got a, a famous angle. Uh, well, I don't want to give a spoiler, but a special episode from 86 from mid South. How about JYD and DBIC from 82 in mid South? Lots of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, including, uh, stone cold walks out that's coming your way in June. We'll tell the story of when he took his ball and went home. As you famously said, we'll cover the ultimate warrior so much more. It's going to be a great year here on grilling Jr. Uh, just stay tuned, hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review. If you think we've earned it, tell a friend. And if you're looking for something else to be quarantined with, you're still shipping books at jrsbbq.com every single day, right? Yeah, we're, we sold uh, a lot of books boy. I'm so grateful. Thank you guys for bought a book. Remember if you hit uh, jrsbbq.com, uh, those books that we have can, well, I personalize them. There's a little thing when you order, you tell me what you want me to say. Uh, some really creative stuff I've, I've inscribed in those books. You know, uh, a lot of them have to do with some of my, my wrestling sayings and things of that nature, just fun as hell to see what people are thinking. Uh, and then when they say, just give us one of your sayings, I just create something that, you know, that I used and try to put it into a, make some sense there on the, on the book. So those are, and if you live in a lower 48, as we Americans are prone to say, uh, you will get free shipping. So that's jrsbbq.com. If you don't want to go that way, you, there's uh, amazon.com, of course, walmart.com, target.com. Of course, Barnes and Noble is going to have it. Uh, they still, they have it now, but there's a lot of, a lot of the stores are closed because of the virus really slowed us down. But the fans picked this thing back up for me. Uh, we were looking at disaster because the bookstores are closed, Conrad, right? Uh, not a good time to release your book. No. And we had planned on being very prominent and very visible at WrestleMania in Tampa, like four or five days worth of various signings, meeting a lot of fans, selling a lot of books and, and being in, in, in that thing. But of course that didn't happen. So now we're really, uh, dependent upon the, ma- the magic of, of digital technology and being able to order online. So you can theoretically not even leave your house and get your book delivered. So that's what we're doing and signed a bunch of books. It's getting to be grilling season. Uh, we had a 20% off sale recently that did really well on our sauces and, and uh, ketchup and mustard and all that good stuff. Great seasonings. I, I, I was, I was telling Conrad folks what I had for lunch today. I used the JR seasoning on ground on 93, seven ground beef. I add a little bit of extra ground pepper. I made my own patties, my own beef patties. And in the middle of the patties, I put a nice hunk of uh, smokehouse cheddar, onion, cheese, onion, cheddar, onion, cheddar. 
And so I made myself a juicy Lucy. And I only thing I added was the old Oklahoma thing, the onion burger. So I made a un, juicy Lucy onion burgers. I made three, three of them. And, uh, I was very happy at lunch today. I didn't eat any bread. Didn't need it. It just was absolutely wonderful. So I'm, I'm having fun cooking. I should do cooking segments. I should write down some recipes or something, but nonetheless, seriously, I got enough writing to do. Uh, and, uh, I hope that folks enjoyed, uh, uh, my return to, uh, AEW on Wednesday night. Yeah. Last uh, night, man, it was the main event, uh, Moxley and, uh, and Jake Hager sort of empty arena style. And you're the only man on the call. That was a little different, but man, I loved it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've still got something to do on Wednesday nights. Yeah. No kidding. Me too, buddy. So, uh, I appreciate the great feedback on that. Uh, so things are good, man. Life is good. You, we just got to make the most of this thing, folks. We got to stick together. This is a together thing. And Conrad and I are always going to be here to try to entertain you for our little father world. Uh, but we appreciate your support. Check out all Conrad shows. Everybody's working overtime, man, to get you what you need. And, uh, if Conrad called me in an hour, so we need to do another show. I've said, I'm ready. <laughs> That's what's great. Everybody's got lots of free time and we're hoping to fill up as much of that free time for you as we can here on the podcast and at ad free shows. Be sure to check us out on YouTube too. We've got some fun stuff coming your way real, real soon there. Maybe we can set up a camera near your grill and just watch you grill out every day. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I'll do that. Well, we'll come up with some more fun stuff. We appreciate you guys support here on the show. Follow us on Twitter. If you haven't already, it's at JR grilling. He is at JR's BBQ. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.